Chapter 11 Appointment with the King Evan awoke to a wet dog's tongue scraping like sandpaper across his face from his ears to his mouth. The dog was panting, half barking and crying simultaneously, sounding very excited. Evan opened his eyes and met the gaze of a shaggy sheepdog. It seemed awfully familiar. A woman's voice sounded, Shag, stop that. You're being rude. Evan blinked away the last of his drowsiness. His eyes focused, landing right on the face of a stunningly beautiful woman. She looked like anyone's idea of female perfection. Evan stared, taking in her kind eyes and the way she moved, like she was very utterly secure in who she was, without a trace of anxiety or self-doubt. She looked at Evan sympathetically while pulling the collar of the shaggy dog, which seemed happy now that Evan was awake. I'm sorry to bother you, sir, but you probably shouldn't be sleeping here. You need to go, she said. The remaining cobwebs cleared from Evan's head, and he propped himself on his elbow, eyes swelling. The great Donna Reed, co-star with Jimmy Stewart in It's a Wonderful Life, was talking to him. No, it's all right. I'm sorry, he managed to croak. I just don't want you to get into any trouble. Donna's voice was soft and sultry, yet her tone held an urgency that broadcast, You need to go now. You're Donna Reed, Evan half shouted. Donna smiled shyly, and Evan glanced around, realizing that the movie set was coming to life. Gaffers and grips rigged cables and lights on stands, and production assistants mobilized and carried various props in and out of rooms. We are setting up to shoot. Donna looked at him sternly. A thundering voice bellowed out at Evan from somewhere behind Donna. And just who the hell are you? And what the Sam Hill are you doing lounging in Zuzu's bed? Donna and Evan both turned toward the large, red-faced man marching their way. I, I, I just needed a place to crash for a few hours, Evan said to the big man. He looked to the sheepdog Donna still held. And you're Shag, Jimmy's dog in the movie. Shag barked as if acknowledging Evan's declaration. Donna looked to the angry man. Bill, I don't think he meant any harm. Don't you worry, Miss Reed, I know this guy's type. Another drifter who snuck on the lot, looking for a place to flop. All right, fella, I'm going to deal with you now. Evan's eyes nervously flew around the set, as if looking for an escape route. His jaw dropped. Miraculously, Jimmy Stewart happened to be ambling past at that very moment, nose in his script. He looked up, and his eyes met Evan's. Evan? That you? You need some money? Oh, hi, Mr. Stewart. I mean, Jimmy. No, don't need any money, Evan stammered. I have a policy. Only one bailout at a time, Jimmy smiled. No, sir, Jimmy. I'm just... Uh... Evan was at a loss. Bill whom Evan had correctly assumed to be assistant director, 
since only a man in that position would yell so rudely on a set, turned to Jimmy. Do you know this guy, Mr. Stewart? Why, sure, Bill, old friend of mine, Evan West, Jimmy said easily. He's an editor, trailer editor, if I recall. I asked him here. So, Evan, Jimmy called loudly, facing him again. You came in a little early and fell asleep again? Bill looked to Evan. Why didn't you say so, mister? Bill gave him a friendly nod. Suddenly, his new BFF, thanks to Jimmy's timely intervention. Sorry, Evan said, scratching Shag's receptive ear. Donna extended her hand. Nice to meet you, Evan West. The pleasure is mine, Miss Reed, Evan said. He hoisted himself off the bed, brushed his clothes off, and clasped Donna's small hand. Jimmy looked at Bill. Could you get some coffees for us, Bill? Donna first. No, I'm fine, Jimmy. Thanks. I'll leave you two to chat. Gotta get into my Susie homemaker dress now. Donna smiled infectiously before hurrying off. Bill gave a final nod to Jimmy, then ambled off in the opposite direction, probably in search of some hapless crew member to bark orders at. Evan heaved out a breath. Thanks, Jimmy. Thought I was toast there for a minute with that guy. Toast? Jimmy drawled out, brow furrowing. What's that mean, toast? Never mind, Evan chuckled. Just an old saying. Hmm, new to me. Toast. Actually, that's kind of funny. So what you doing here at Paramount? You working with Frank on those trailers you mentioned? Evan withered a bit. No, wish I were. I cut trailers on smaller films. I'm, well, I'm... Completely unemployed at the moment? Jimmy asked sagely. I see. Evan had been pecked. He shrugged and grinned. I'm so poor right now, I can't even pay attention. Jimmy froze then doubled over laughing. Oh, my, that's rich, he rubbed an eye. Hot dog, well done, I like it. So poor, I can't pay attention. Gonna steal that one from you, kid. It's all yours, Jimmy, Evan offered, beaming over how much entertainment he was providing to his cinematic idol. Jimmy settled down in a nearby chair and motioned Evan over. Okay, here's what you're going to do. Stop by old Capra's office right now, he gestured. Just across the lot there on the west side, the RKO area. Tell him you're a friend of mine and to hire you. Finesse it, of course, but you get where I'm coming from. What? You're kidding me. Ask Frank Capra for a job? Evan couldn't believe it. Yep. He's bound to be there by now as we're all setting up and getting into makeup and wardrobe. Good a time as any, Jimmy told him emphatically. Evan absorbed Jimmy's suggestion, wonderstruck. After a few seconds, he realized that Jimmy was eyeing him keenly. Say, you staying with Henry? Got a place of your own? Seems to me you're kind of drifting, 
if you don't mind me saying, Jimmy observed. I'm in between places at the moment, so to speak, Evan lamented. Tell you what, you get that job out of Capra and then come back here. And after the shoot today, you and me will head back to my place. Got a little guest house out back, empty at the moment. It's yours for the taking. Are you serious, Jimmy? Evan could barely form the words. Well, you need a place, don't you? Yes, sir. More than ever. But why are you helping me? You don't even know me, Jimmy. I could be an axe murderer. Evan chuckled, then realized he was probably being a bit too flippant. I'll take my chances and guess you're somewhat less than homicidal, Jimmy said, grinning. And as for the why, well, you have the look of someone who simply needs a bit of help at the moment. We don't want you ending up like, uh, like toast, right? Evan burst out laughing. Right. Good deal. Now, go talk to Frank, and don't make me embarrassed I vouched for you. Twice now, if I recall, Jimmy instructed. He gave Evan a little salute with his script, then rose and wandered off, nose buried in the pages again. Evan half ran out of the soundstage and smacked into Coop, who had a big microphone in hand. So, you made it. I knew you'd figure this stuff out, Coop said. They shook hands. I've been thinking about your trip from 2021 to 1946. You said you were driving and the car lost control. How fast were you traveling? Coop asked. I remember exactly, because I looked at the speedometer. I hit 80. Coop lit up. 80 miles per hour, and then you slid into the pole? Exactly. And at that point, I must have been going faster. Maybe 85. But... Evan trailed off. Coop's face was a mask of concentration. I think I might have a way of getting us out of this time. He suddenly blurted out, enthused. Great. Take your time. Evan said. Coop looked to Evan with surprise. I thought you wanted to go back to your own time as much as I wish to go to mine. I do, Evan answered, then confessed. But I found an incentive to stick around for a while. Coop grinned. You meet a girl. As a matter of fact, yes, I did. But that's not why I'm in no hurry to leave. Then, what is it? Evan took a breath. Coop, you're working on this film, right? Right. What if I told you this particular film is going to be one of the most spectacular films in history? Coop looked stunned. Evan pressed on. So, Jimmy Stewart, the film's star, just invited me to stay at his guest house. Okay, so now you're best friends with a movie star. Coop teased. Funny. No, it's just that this whole scenario, it's unbelievable. Evan breathed, somewhat aghast. I'm going to be part of film history. You worked for Nikola Tesla, one of the most well-known and notable scientific geniuses in history. What could be better than that? What could be better in life than knowing you were so close to greatness? I want to be part of this. 
Coop nodded, thoughtful. Makes sense. This must be an exceptional time for you. It is. And I'd like to make it last a while longer before I head home. Evan concluded. Rest assured, we won't be leaving here anytime soon. If I'm right about this, we need another lightning storm. And those don't come around all that often. The weather reports show clear skies for the foreseeable future. And I'm just not sure how to get us back. Me to my time, you to yours. This will take a great deal of work on my part. Thanks, Evan said, and Coop grinned. We will solve this problem, Evan West. He gave Evan a quick salute, and Evan headed over to Frank Capra's office. On the way, Evan spotted Boris Karloff dressed in an 18th-century gentleman's costume, looking like a cross between Frankenstein's monster and Thomas Jefferson. Evan approached the horror icon and cleared his throat. Sir, may I ask where Liberty Films is located? He asked in his nicest voice. Why, yes, old boy, just right over there, Boris said in his nicest English accent. Evan loved hearing him speak. No one on earth came close to Boris Karloff in terms of eerily creepy voices. Maybe Vincent Price's was creepier, but Karloff got the prize from Evan. Evan thought for a second. What movie was Karloff making at RKO in 1946? A more careful look at Karloff's costume answered the question. Bedlam, one of the great horror films Val Luton produced. Thank you, Mr. Karloff, Evan said, and Boris seemed pleased. Why, it's my pleasure, young man. Even more so to be recognized. Good morning to you. Karloff flashed that familiar smile that almost looked like a leer. He headed away, script in hand, just like Jimmy, memorizing lines. Evan headed west, and then he saw it. Liberty Films. He spotted the placard for Frank Capra and in the indicated lot space was a 1940 Lincoln Zephyr. Evan admired the vehicle. Classy car, not too ostentatious. A few spaces down, he saw another familiar name and car. Arthur Strickler. And there was that Bentley torpedo. Oh, brother, Evan muttered to himself. My lucky day. He headed into the Liberty office. There was no secretary out front, but he could hear shouting from an inner office around twenty feet or so from the main entrance. No, 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 a man yelled loudly. I shot that damned footage you wanted me to, but I'm not going to use it in my film. I'm sorry, Arthur. Evan sidestepped to the half-open door and peered in at two men in the middle of a heated exchange. Evan recognized Strickler at once and was filled with dread. He wondered if he should leave. The other man in the exchange was the one and only Frank Capra. Frank, listen to me. Strickler sounded remarkably calm, obviously using the same nice guy act he had put on for Jimmy the day before. I'm done listening to you, Strickler, Capra snarled. I have the last say and final cut approval in what I shoot. It's in my contract. 
Of course, Strickler oozed like a hissing stream of lava. You're the boss, but maybe just one scene, you know, just in case. Absolutely not. You have me waste my time on extraneous garbage just to please, just to please a paying audience and a few select people who are paying for the production of your film, Frank. Keep them in mind as well. I answer to them. Frank waved him away. Shouldn't you be producing a movie? He asked, glaring. Strickler was silent for a second, then rumbled. Now listen to me. When you and Stuart were off in Europe fighting the war, I was here making movies. A lot has changed, Frank. It's a new business. We're one year out of the biggest war in history. The days of Capricorn are over. It's not what people are looking for anymore. The post-war world isn't the one you left in 1942. People want realism. They don't want to be pandered to with sentimental schlock. So, they want more violence. That's what you're telling me? Just like the war. Really? Frank growled. Maybe. Strickler shrugged. Who knows? All right. I won't argue with you anymore. Just shoot this last scene. Shoot a terrible scene with George Bailey slapping his wife? Is that what you're asking me to do? Jimmy Stewart, all-American hero, hits Donna Reed, America's sweetheart, right in the puts? Are you really asking for that? Strickler put two hands flat on Capra's table and leaned in until the two men were face to face. I'm not asking, Frank. Do it for your own sake, for all our sakes. Strickler, a lean, elongated man, towered over Capra. Capra, at five feet seven inches, looked minuscule next to the hungry vulture standing before him. Capra pointed a finger at Strickler. You go to hell, mister. You and the horse you rode in on. Capra headed toward the door, right beyond which Evan was standing. He retreated, saw a water cooler, and pretended he was drinking something. Capra exited the office, stood there for a moment, fuming, and stomped his foot. Evan pulled free a small cup, filled it with water, and approached the livid Capra. Mr. Capra? A little water? he asked. Capra turned to Evan, his face a mask of fury, then suddenly softened. Thanks, kid. He took the water, knocked it back, then studied Evan. Who are you? Evan West, he said quickly. Jimmy sent me to see you. Jimmy? You mean Stuart? Yes, sir. Why are you supposed to see me? Capra snapped. He said... Evan shifted his weight. He said... Spit it out, West! He said, you should give me a job. Fine, he growled. You're hired. More water, please, he commanded, and stuck out his empty cup. Evan took it dutifully and refilled it. I'm up against the wall with this film, West, Capra muttered. Strickler was at the other side of the room and had just snapped on his black fedora. 
He was heading for the door when he turned back and looked at Evan. He paused mid-step, and for a moment, there was a downright ugly silence. You again, Strickler hissed in a withering voice. Yes, Mr. Strickler, me again. I'm sorry you have developed such a disliking to me, he said, and then could hardly believe that had come out of his mouth. Well put, West, Capra chortled, slapping Evan on the shoulder. You gutsy little son of a gun. I wish I could have said that to you, Strickler. Capra's eyes narrowed as he turned towards Strickler. Why have you developed such a disliking to me? If we get to the bottom of that, maybe we can have a real partnership. So tell me, what is it you do here exactly? The two men faced off across the room. Strickler seemed to project aggression and a desperate need for power across the space between them. To answer your question, I'm a partner at this studio. Whatever you want, whatever you're expecting, it will all have to go through me. Is that understood? Capra stood rock still for an instant, eyes filled with fire. Abruptly, he stormed over to his desk and came back with a big ledger of checks. I'd like to buy you out, Strickler. Name your price, Capra announced, dumping the ledger on the nearest table and unscrewing a fountain pen. Evan interjected, bridging the space between the men to get into Strickler's face. Mister, I'd really love to know what your problem is with me. Strickler blinked, seeming to consider the question in earnest. I don't know precisely, but I've banked my career on feelings, and my gut hunch about you is that you're trouble, the kind of trouble I don't need. Frank Capra watched this exchange with fascination, almost like he was viewing a movie. Finally, the director waved flippantly at Strickler. Oh, Arthur, just disappear, will you? Scram! You've had your morning cup of hate and turbulence. Be on your way now, will you? I've got a long day ahead of me. Strickler visibly bristled, seeming to weigh his options as several emotions passed over his face, none of them good. Finally, he pulled the brim of his hat lower and yanked open the door, storming out. As soon as he left, it was like a black cloud had vanished. Capra turned to Evan, wide-eyed, then burst out laughing. I think you're my new hero, kid, he exclaimed. I don't know what came over me, but the guy is such a clown, Evan blurted out. Yeah, I agree, a clown. <laughs> and don't get too worked up about Strickler. He doesn't own much of the studio, maybe 2%. He sure manages to bully his power around, being the head of production at RKO. He's a jackass. So, he's your boss? Evan inquired. Technically, Capra shrugged. But to hear me rail at him, you wouldn't know it, would you? Frank grinned and slapped Evan on the back. Come on, my new friend. Let's go talk to Jimmy and figure out what the hell I just hired you for, aside from telling Arthur J. Strickler what's what. As they left the office, Capra broke out in song. 
Should old acquaintance be forgot and never brought to mind, we'll take a cup of kindness yet and drink to old Lang Syne. Capra stepped out into the California sunshine with Evan and stretched a bit, seeming content to soak in the pleasant heat and light. Bello e seri vivi, he shouted, and Evan knew enough Italian to understand. Good to be alive. A young intern, looking quite eager and intense, stepped out of the Liberty office and hailed Frank, requesting his signature on a few documents. Evan walked a few feet away, then caught a glimpse of Strickler at his car with Jack, his driver. Strickler was so intent on his conversation, he missed Evan, hovering only ten feet behind him. His name is Evan West, Jack was saying as he stood near the Bentley. He's an editor, but I never heard of him. Jimmy Stewart has taken a shine to him. Evan squinted. Strickler had his driver look into his background? Why? Indeed, Strickler responded. Do you know the story of Icarus, Jack? Jack looked confused. Can't say I've heard that story, boss. It's the story of a young man who built himself some wings with wax and feathers. He thought he was invulnerable to everything, protected by the Greek gods. Strickler nodded to himself, lips pursed. Thought he could fly close to the brilliance of the sun with impunity. Know what happened to him? I don't know. Jack shrugged. He flew so close that his wax melted, and he tumbled to his death in the sea. Strickler intoned with a mirthless chuckle. Mr. Strickler, don't get me wrong, but with all due respect, that guy is just some smart aleck kid. Why are you so interested? Jack asked. I smell a poison rat, Jack. I don't know what it is, but this guy bothers me, Strickler explained. Evan sidestepped back to Frank Capra, who was still humming Auld Lang Syne while signing documents with an oversized flourish. He realized that for as long as he was in 1946, he was going to have to watch his back where Arthur Strickler was concerned. The man just didn't have it out for him. He wanted Evan gone. Strickler was the same variant as Connor Alcott, just a 1940s version who was a great deal stronger with supercharged hate venting from the furnace of his heart. Evan had never met a guy like Strickler before, only lesser versions with the same twisted character traits. Evan vowed he'd stay as far away from Arthur J. Strickler as humanly possible. Frank Capra signed two more documents, all expense-related. He could see the movie might be headed toward the danger zone of going over budget, even though they'd just started shooting. The overrun was mostly because of the new process Russell Shearman had come up with to create fake snow that didn't crunch under the actor's feet. But whatever it cost, it was worth it. 
the sounds of actors crunching over white cornflakes, the usual process of Hollywood snow, was terrible for the audio edit. Frank caught sight of Strickler glowering in his direction with his big lug of a driver, and anger filled him. He'd busted his hump making movies for the war effort with his fellow directors, only to go home and take orders from a misanthrope like Arthur J. Strickler. He'd seen his kind in the army, insecure, angry martinets who wielded power through anger and intimidation. Those were not men to be trusted. Frank remembered the Abraham Lincoln quote, Nearly all men can stand adversity, but if you want to test a man's character, give him power. Strickler failed Lincoln's test. Heck, Frank thought, that man would fail almost any true test of character applied to him. Thoughts tumbled in Frank's mind as he walked to the set with Evan. Strickler wanted a rewrite of the script, which included some wildly unpleasant scenes. George Bailey going to war and machine-gunning Germans who were attempting to surrender. What the heck was that all about? And that scene Strickler kept insisting on filming with George Bailey slapping Mary. Frank felt nausea every time he contemplated it. This kid, Evan West, Frank liked him for some reason. What could he do for the kid? He had to get him a job, for one thing. Jimmy was expecting it, and quite honestly, Frank didn't think he'd mind having him around. Anyone who could stand up to Strickler like that was a friend of his. Also, the kid looked and sounded smart. PA work wouldn't be good for him. It'd be a waste of talent. Like any good movie director, Frank was happy to surround himself with talented people, and if he could, claim credit for their ideas. Frank Capra passed onto the soundstage and smiled. The feeling of entering a movie set was always a thrill for him. It never got old. Frank saw Jimmy get to his feet from the living room couch, a newspaper folded in his hand. It was almost as if Jimmy was standing at attention as his commanding officer entered the room. Old habits die hard, Frank mused. Hey, Jimmy, Frank called out. Morning to you, sir. Morning, Frank, Jimmy hailed, then glanced behind Frank. You met my young friend Evan, I see. Frank turned to look behind him. There Evan was, seeming not so much meek or hiding, but simply standing quietly, content to be out of the way for a moment and just absorb the Hollywood setting. Sure did, Frank said, chuckling and nodding at Evan. Kid has intestinal fortitude. I hired him on the show. Wonderful, Frank, Jimmy said through a guffaw. Hired him for what? Frank paused and again looked to Evan. What can you do on a film set, kid? Pretty much everything, Mr. Capra, Evan replied. That a fact? Yes, sir, Evan responded. Frank thought for a second, then shrugged. I'll figure someone out for you, bub. I gotta get to work now. Stay by my side. Frank looked around, then caught sight of his A.D., Bill, in the distance, gesturing at an extra 
probably giving last-minute instructions. Bill, prep this, please. Thanks, Frank commanded loudly. You got it, Mr. Capra, Bill responded. He scanned the ceiling, the lights, and the actors who were in costume, but not quite ready for the scene to start. Five minutes, folks. Frank stood there, glumly dwelling on those deplorable scenes Strickler insisted he shoot. The very thought of it was about as appetizing as a plate of garbage for dinner. What's wrong, Frank? Frank looked up, too absorbed in his unpleasant thoughts to notice the star's approach. You look about as happy as a cobra square dancing with a mongoose, Jimmy observed. Frank was boiling hot. He knew he shouldn't appear angry in front of Jimmy, but he couldn't help but make his feelings known. That darn Strickler, he said. Those scenes he wants us to shoot, you know the ones I'm talking about. He wants me to actually use them in my final cut. Jimmy looked like he just sucked on a lemon. Aw, oh, for crying out loud, Frank, you can't do that. Those scenes are dreadful. You know it and I know it. You and me have everything riding on this picture. And he wants me to shoot the scene where you slapped Donna. Capra's voice broke with emotion. Well, I won't do it. Jimmy snapped. I'll tell Strickler to go jump in a very deep lake. Frank regained control of his emotions and clapped a hand on Jimmy's shoulder. Don't worry. I'll shoot the darn thing. Get the powers that be off our backs. But I guarantee you, those scenes will never see the light of day. An unfortunate accident is going to happen in the lab. I'll see to it. Jimmy grinned. That's why you're Frank Capra, he said with a chuckle. Frank glanced at Bill, then yelled out, Bill, let's shoot scene 26. Where the hell is Thomas? He ready? Thomas Mitchell wandered onto the set at the call of his name, looking haggard and drunk. He was, in reality, as straight as an arrow, but completely in character as the drunken Uncle Billy. Frank watched him with admiration, taking in the slightly glassy look in his eyes, the subtle stumble in his gait. He loved seeing great actors doing what they do best. Frank approached Thomas and Jimmy. You boys ready? You know the action? We got it, Frank, Jimmy said easily. Frank looked at his camera crew. Number one, people. Camera? We're ready, Mr. Capra, Tony on the A camera replied. Evan sidestepped away from the action, hovering in the background. Frank took one look at him, then faced the camera crew. Set? Set? Bill, you call it. Bill beamed. Clearly the man loved it when Frank turned the controls over to him, a sign of intimate trust between the director and A.D. Sound, Bill yelled out with some pride. Coop was standing by with his boom mic stand. The audio mixer called out, Speed! Cameras! Rolling! Scene 26 Alpha! Marking! The clapboard came down. Frank raised his eyebrows, and Bill said the magic word. Action! 
Avon watched in awe. He witnessed the great Thomas Mitchell stagger onto the set, looking every bit the drunkard he was playing, while the extras, some carrying camera equipment, headed back into the house. Thomas shuffled over to Jimmy, and the famous scene unfolded. Old building and loan, pal, huh? Uncle Billy slurred. Now you just turn this way and go right straight down there. George pointed, patting Uncle Billy on the shoulder, aiming him camera left. That way? Uncle Billy pointed, weaving, unsteady on his feet. Evan was awestruck by Mitchell's performance. It was so intense and gripping. He came across as the perfect drunk. Uncle Billy walked away from George Bailey, and Evan stepped back, so engrossed in the scene he didn't see the cables snaking around his feet. He stumbled over one and hastily tried to recover, only to trip on a two-by-four in the process. He flailed, arms pinwheeling as he attempted to regain his balance. He wound up colliding with a stack of twenty paint cans, knocking them over with a massive clatter and metallic crash. The sound was deafening. Evan's face went deep red as more cans tumbled down around him, all crashing onto the concrete floor. Evan glanced over, seeing Jimmy Stewart's surprised reaction. He could feel Thomas Mitchell's anger directed toward him, but the actor quickly recovered. Not losing a beat, he called out, I'm all right, I'm all right. Oh, the sweetest flower that grows. Capra yelled out, Cut! Bill stomped toward Evan, furious. Idiot, you killed that whole scene. Capra held up his hand. He looked at Bill and then Jimmy. That was actually very funny, Frank said. You know, that works. Looks like old Uncle Billy plowed into some garbage bins. And Jimmy, your reaction was terrific. Jimmy looked genuinely surprised. It was? Everyone on the set looked at Evan as Capra strode over and patted him on the shoulder. That was pretty funny, kid, Capra said, smiling. You hurt yourself? No, Evan stammered. I'm, I'm sorry, Mr. Capra. Dumb clumsiness. Not at all. I call that a happy accident. Works for our movie. Capra glanced at his camera team. Print that take. Let's move on. He then looked back to Evan. You weren't kidding when I asked you what you could do on set. Obviously, you can improve a scene. What? Jimmy asked. Evan, didn't you tell Frank here you were an editor? Never came up, Jimmy. We had only just met. Evan replied defensively. And that crazy creep Strickler was giving Mr. Capra here a doozy of a time. Jimmy looked at Capra with raised eyebrows. Capra scowled. Strickler, no good hack. Forget about Strickler, Frank, Jimmy cajoled. It's not good for your blood pressure. So what job are you going to find for our boy here? Capra seemed to give the matter considerable thought. He snapped his fingers and pointed to Evan, 
Assistant editor. I could use one. You think you can cut it, kid? No pun intended, Evan shot back. Fast. I like that. Capra nodded with approval. Evan's mind whirled. Capra's question had literal merit. In 1946, there was no digital world. Film was still manually cut off an editing track, spliced and glued together. Evan had studied and even tried the technique after years spent in fascination with the nostalgia of Hollywood past, both creatively and technically. He did not hesitate to answer. I'm made for the job, Mr. Capra, he said, now filled with self-confidence. Congratulations, Evan West, assistant editor of The Greatest Gift. Not bad for a very good morning, Jimmy said. Thanks, Jimmy, Evan grinned. Jimmy shook his head. Nah, got a feeling about you, kid. You got talent. Anyone who can fall over a bunch of cans and have Frank love it, well, he's got to be working miracles. Evan laughed. Now we knock off in a few hours. You come with me after. I'll show you the guest house, okay? Sure thing, Jimmy, Evan replied. And then he looked toward the open door to the stage. And there she was. Dorothy was now dressed in a dark blue dress with a sailor collar, and the overhead movie lights made her hair, now flowing loose and free about her shoulders, seem to shimmer. Her features appeared more defined and polished now, more colorful, and Evan realized she was wearing a bit more makeup than when he had last seen her. A golden necklace gracing her neck gleamed as bright as her smile. Evan's face flushed as she headed their way with a big smile brightening her face. Hi, Evan. Passed any phony money around here? Dorothy looked at Evan first then at Jimmy. Mr. Stewart, thank you so much for inviting me down to watch the shoot. That's not the only reason, Dorothy. I'm glad you got my message, but you're here to work. What? Dorothy asked, clearly confused. Go talk to Bob Miller in casting, just down the lane, Jimmy explained slowly. I don't understand. Dorothy looked to Evan for help. All he could do was shrug. Honey, you're now an extra in our last scene. It's all taken care of. Go see Bob in casting. Sign in and give him your details so you can get paid, Jimmy said. Don't know the exact date of shooting, but you're in. Dorothy's look of pure happiness sent Evan's heart into the stratosphere. She hugged Jimmy. Her eyes closed. Thank you, Mr. Stewart. Jimmy smiled, patted her gently, and said softly, Don't thank me, Dorothy. Thank Evan here. It was his idea. Dorothy pulled back from her embrace with Jimmy and took both of Evan's hands. Thank you, Evan. She leaned in and gave him the sweetest kiss on the cheek that he'd ever experienced in his short life. It was a magical moment, interrupted only by the dulcet voice of Donna Reed as she stepped into their private space. I'm sorry to interrupt, but Jimmy, can we talk about this next scene? 
It's a tough one, as you know. Donna looked anxious. She tried to muster a laugh, but couldn't. Jimmy lifted his eyebrows at Evan and leaned in. It's a big smooching scene. We're all a bit on edge, he explained. Evan knew the scene he was referring to, one of the best in film history. Excuse me, Jimmy said, and headed toward Donna. Okay, merry old girl, let's get down to some serious lip-latching, he said, with almost cartoonish flourish, no doubt trying to lighten the mood. Jimmy, you're horrible, Evan smiled. Mission accomplished, Jimmy. Dorothy looked back at Evan. They were alone at last. Evan, thank you for getting me a job on the film. That's the nicest thing anyone's ever done for me, she said, her face only inches from his. She smelled wonderful. He inhaled the combined scent of her clean hair and just enough perfume to entice. Evan's stomach was fluttering along with his heart. A fireworks show was going off in his head. Have you ever heard of Deja Vu? She asked him out of the blue. Sure, Evan responded. That feeling where something has already happened and is happening again, or will happen again? He paused, staring intensely at her. Or... Or? She prompted. Or the feeling you've known someone from long before, he said in a whisper. It's so strange, Evan. I can swear we've already met. Dorothy murmured, a wistful smile on her face. But we have met before, yesterday at the diner, Evan joked. She sweetly smiled. I think you know what I mean. I do. And in all seriousness, I feel the same way. It's odd. And kind of magical. For me, anyway. Evan confessed. For me, too, Evan. She said. She looked at the set. The characters, George and Mary, stood near an old-fashioned telephone on an end table. Jimmy and Donna faced each other, both engrossed in the pages in their hands no doubt studying their lines. Then Jimmy walked away from Donna, seemingly lost in thought. Evan glanced at Dorothy. Excuse me for a moment, Dorothy. No problem, Evan. Remember, I gotta run to casting for my big moment. Go, go, he prodded. See you later. Promise? She lifted her eyebrows. Count on it, Evan winked then headed over to see what was eating Jimmy. Jimmy glanced over at Evan as he approached. You look like you have a problem, Jimmy. Something with the script? You want to run lines? Evan offered. Well, shucks, Evan. This scene just makes me nervous. I haven't done a kissing scene in six years. Not since before the war. I think I forgot how to go about it. Evan had to all but bite his tongue to keep from laughing. Nah, you didn't. Come on, you never forgot how to fly a B-24 on all those missions over Germany, did you? That was war, and flying with the 8th, much easier than a love scene. In the Army Air Force, 
You're so trained to do it by the numbers. It only gets rough when nothing goes to plan, which was almost every mission. But doggone it, kissing a girl on camera is much tougher, he mumbled. You try it if you think it's so easy. No, thanks. I have enough trouble leading up to a kiss with a girl in real life. Forget about on camera, Evan laughed. Well, that makes two of us. Anyway, I don't mean to blubber and be a crybaby. He smiled wanly. Just nerves, I guess. Jimmy, you gotta believe me. This scene coming up with you and Donna, it's gonna be a tearjerker for years to come, Evan assured. Now, how could you know a thing like that, Evan? That's crazy. Jimmy cocked his head, seeming to study Evan closer. Would you believe I'm a time traveler from the year 2021 and know every scene from this movie? It's a Wonderful Life is going to be huge for the next hundred years. Evan grinned. Jimmy squinted at him, then shook his head. That's a tall tale, kid. Yeah, you got me. I almost believed you, he said. And there you go again with calling the greatest gift by another name. It's a wonderful life. You never know. Maybe, Evan suggested, acting way too bold. I like it, actually, Jimmy said thoughtfully. Has a kind of ring to it. Evan spotted Coop heading toward him. Capra stepped between them and addressed Coop. You fix that issue we had on the boom the other day? Yes, sir, Mr. Capra. Coop responded confidently. We repaired the problem and can assure you we will no longer have that 60 hertz hum. Good deal, son, Capra said, then looked at the cast and crew. Folks, listen up. This is a very emotional scene we're about to shoot. I want absolute silence, and I mean absolute, not a peep. He glanced to Jimmy and Donna. George and Mary, you ready? Yup, Jimmy rasped. Yes, sir, Donna said softly. Capra looked at an actor Evan didn't recognize, who stood off camera. Johnny, you ready on the Sam Wainwright lines? Ready to go, Mr. Capra. Johnny gave a thumbs up. Sound. Rolling. Speed. Scene 62 Alpha, take one. Mark. Action. Jimmy and Donna leaned in together, cheek to cheek, in one of Evan's favorite scenes of Wonderful. She spoke softly into the telephone. We're listening, Sam. Johnny, off camera, called out Sam's lines. I have a big deal coming up that's going to make us all rich. George, you remember that night in Martini's bar when you told me you read someplace about making plastics out of soybeans? Jimmy nodded slowly, per character, and answered. Huh? Yeah, yeah, soybeans, yeah. The scene continued. Johnny continued with his off-screen lines. Mary... Would you tell that guy I'm giving him a chance of a lifetime? You hear? A chance of a lifetime. Mary looked at George. He says it's a chance of a lifetime. Evan could see Jimmy gearing up for the explosive climax. 
He dropped the phone, grabbed Donna by the shoulders, and shook her. Donna pulled tears from deep inside. It was masterful to behold. Now you listen to me, Jimmy said fervently. I don't want any plastics. I don't want any ground floors. And I don't want to get married, ever, to anyone. You understand that? I want to do what I want to do. And you're... you're... Jimmy pulled Donna close to him in a fierce embrace. Oh, Mary. Mary. George. George. Oh, George. Donna cried out. Evan glanced at Dorothy, who was watching the scene from nearby. She was in tears. Her eyes found Evan's. They shared a moment. George kissed Mary with passion. It was perfect. A moment passed. Evan heard sniffles from people around him and realized a tear was in his eye as well. Capra called out, Cut! He looked toward the camera team, his eyes glittering with tears. Print that now! The script supervisor ran over to Capra, dabbing her eyes. Mr. Capra, they missed a whole page of dialogue. Jimmy skipped right to the hug and the kiss. Capra laughed. With technique and feeling like that, who needs dialogue? The script supervisor smiled and nodded. I agree. It was beautiful. Just mark it a shot. Draw a line through that page, if you please, Frank asked. Dorothy headed over to Evan and took his hand. That was the most beautiful love scene of all time, she said. Then, clearly swept up in the feeling of it all, she nearly bowled him over with a surprise kiss, and a nice long kiss at that. Coop saw this, looked at Evan, and started shaking. Evan, still in Dorothy's embrace, caught Coop's eye and realized the man was trying to keep from laughing. Sorry, Dorothy said after breaking off the kiss and taking a step back. I don't know what came over me. Evan was staring at her, a bit dumbfounded, and then it hit him, finally. How could I have been so blind? This is Dorothy, the Dorothy I met in 2021 at the party. This is her young self, per history, now an extra in It's a Wonderful Life. Wow. This is all so incredible, so... The thoughts combined in his mind. Surprise and shock and wonder and... something more. Dorothy, he muttered. Don't apologize. I hope... I hope that happens more often with us. He smiled softly. Any more romantic movies shooting on the lot? We can go watch another kissing scene. Dorothy smiled broadly. Can we see each other later? She asked quietly after a beat. Sure. If not tonight, maybe tomorrow. Okay. She murmured. See you around. My shift at the diner begins at 11 a.m. I'm off at 3. She glanced at Frank, Jimmy, Donna, and Coop, then headed out. Evan wondered if she was embarrassed after being so forward. Maybe not. Evan, now full of life, made a beeline for Jimmy. Jimmy, great scene, he said, then looked at Donna. Miss Reed, you were sublime. 
You think so, Evan? Donna sounded sweetly sincere. I'm still tearing up, Evan said from the most honest place in his heart. Oh, thank you, Evan, Donna said and smiled at Jimmy. I like your friend's opinions. Yeah, well, no accounting for taste, Jimmy quipped. He pulled Evan aside out of earshot and whispered, Did the kissing thing look real to you, kid? The kiss was perfect, Jimmy, Evan assured. Not too fake? Not fake at all. He nodded. That seemed to settle him. Okay. See you around. He began to amble off, then looked over his shoulder. We're leaving at a decent hour today, so be ready for wheels up at six.